everybody. Welcome to another episode of NASA and Silicon Valley Live. I am your host, Tiffany Blake. If this is your first time tuning into the show, the uh, NASA and Silicon Valley Live is a conversational show out of NASA's Ames Research Center where we talk about all the nerdy NASA news you need to know. Um, today with me, I have the awesome Abby Tabor. Hello, Tiffany. Yes, hi, everybody. I am your co-host today, Abby Tabor, and we are simultaneously live right now on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. But if you want to join in the chat and leave questions for our awesome guest today, you need to do that on Twitch. So go to www.twitch.tv slash NASA. So today, I'm really excited. We're talking about space robots. Space robots! Yes. I'm yes. excited. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and we have a couple of amazing guests here today. So why don't we go ahead and meet them? Can you guys tell us your name? what you do here at Ames. Sure, um, I'm Maria Boilet. I'm a robotics engineer, and I build space robots. Pretty sweet, <laughs> all right. Yeah, and I'm uh, Terry Fong. I'm the uh, chief roboticist uh, here at NASA Ames, and I dream up the robots that Maria then has to go build. <laughs> but awesome job descriptions. I know, right? <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, you guys. Um, before we get into the show, I want to remind our audience about this really cool clock we have here. Yes, exactly. This lovely item that we have for you today is our moon countdown clock. So five years from now, in 2024, we're planning to send humans to the moon as part of our Artemis program. And this clock is counting down the days, hours, minutes, and seconds until 2024, when the first woman and the next man will walk on the moon's south pole. So, pretty exciting. We'll talk more about that later in the show, but if you want to learn more, meanwhile, you can visit www.nasa.gov slash Artemis. Okay, let's get started. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think let's start with just the basics. Like, what's the history of you know humans and robots in space? Terry, can you tell us a little bit? Sure. You know, I mean, NASA has used robots uh, in space for a long time to mm -hmm. carry out planetary exploration. We've sent robots to Mars, um, and we still have robots on Mars today. Right, of course. But um, in parallel to that, there's been this real development um, for actually for a long time of robots that work with humans, um, mm -hmm. and. It, they are used, uh, you know, outside of uh, spacecraft, like outside of the space station. Um, mm -hmm. And more recently, we've been working with robots inside of spacecraft as well. Right, working a little bit closer together, right? Yeah, really. Awesome. So, how about we talk a little bit about, you know, how they work together? Maybe? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. How exactly do robots and humans interact? Yeah, well, I think, I think a great thing about um, when you talk about robots and humans together, it's, it's not just, oh, how, how do I make that robot you know, just go off and do something? Mm -hmm. But this whole notion of you know, humans and robots working as a team. And it's something I think um, we're going to see much more of as we go forward in the future. This whole idea that we can use uh, robots uh, to, to work together with humans uh, mm -hmm. to perform work in space or on planetary mm -hmm. surfaces. Uh, and the idea that you might have all kinds of different robots uh, and all kinds of humans working together with those robots. Right. And, and the same way that a team, for example, a football team has specialists, yeah. you play to the strengths of the different members of the team. So in this case, you'd play the strengths of the humans versus the robots. Okay. So right. Robots are good at certain things. Humans yeah. are better right. at, at other things, so. Right. They're not necessarily doing the same, the same job thing. at the same time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you were telling us earlier about the three Ds. Oh, that's yeah. right, so uh, it's a pretty common phrase in, in robotics, uh, the three Ds, which is dull, dirty, and dangerous. Uh -huh. uh, those are the cases where you want to send a robot in um, rather than a human. 
Yeah. Um, you know, if it's something really boring to do, you got to take okay. a whole bunch of measurements. It's probably better to send some, a robot who doesn't mind doing those <laughs> yeah. sorts of tasks. Um, or, you know, if it's if it's something where it's, it's a dangerous situation, mm. uh, again, you it's sad, but you might not mind losing a robot. <laughs> not as much. Yeah. Not yeah. as yeah. much. Yeah. We, right? might, we might mind <laughs> losing a robot. <laughs> yes, but it's far less than uh, losing a human. Yeah. So. Yeah. So could yeah. a dangerous job be something out in space, like leaving? Oh, the, sure. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think beyond just uh, dangerous, I mean, there are some things, you know, like Maria was saying, that, um, you know, really plays to the strength of robots. Um, you know, there are some things that require moving very large right. um, pieces of equipment or, or other things in space that are, you know, just too massive or too heavy for, for a human to, to, to move. Do. Yeah. And it sometimes it take longer. Yeah, it might to take do. longer right. too. Or you need very precise placement. Right. So yeah. you can place the items very precisely with a robot. Yeah. But just like in any any team, you know, I think if you have a combination of, of, of humans and robots that can work well together, right. you know, that allows you to do much more than just, you know, any individual thing mm -hmm. or person by themselves. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And um yeah. An example, I think, of the precision that you're talking about. You guys told us the International Space Station was assembled by robots, right? Well, Is by that, human humans, humans and, and robots. robots. Yeah, right. by right. teams, exactly. Right. Right. It's yeah. always going to be teams. Oh, right. So, a great yes. example. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. Cool. So we have robots working outside of spacecraft, robots working inside of spacecraft, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of those. What are some historical robots that have worked on Space station well, or uh, with uh, space shuttle, um, space there was shuttle. Canada yeah. Arm uh, okay. on board space shuttle. It's a fifty-foot robot arm uh, that was used for things like uh, which we see right now. Ah. Uh, used to deploy things like satellites uh, yeah. to very precisely uh, place uh, equipment. For example, when when uh, uh, when we were integrating the space station. Yeah, this this was um, a, this was actually a pretty big arm. It's like a yeah. fifty foot long arm. Wow. And it was able to move uh, thirty two thousand pounds. That's basically like moving a school bus. You wow. can basically pick yeah. up and move and position a school bus. Right. And in ma space. maneuver that size maneuver object around. Yeah. So that's yeah. a pretty big robot. Yeah. Okay. And it could also benefit, you know, to building something like, you know, yeah. How on Earth's space station? Was yeah. also able to yeah. move like people we, too, right. so hold astronauts in place yeah, when really? they had to. Oh, like while they're working while on they're something. While they're working, right? Oh, funny. Yeah. So they don't go floating off when they try Safety to apply first. pressure. Oh, <laughs> oh, fascinating! Oh, yeah. But it gives, it gives the astronaut <laughs> leverage as well. Oh, cool! So, because right. they're attached. Something to use. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, the things yeah. you never think about. I yeah. know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you need something to push against. Yeah, exactly. Fascinating. All right. Uh, here's a cool one, Robonaut 2. You guys oh, know yeah. that one? Yeah, Robonaut 2. So, you know, we, we, we mentioned too. earlier that robots can work outside or inside a spacecraft. So Robonaut 2 uh, was a, a humanoid robot that we sent up a few years ago to the space station. Um, in the picture you can see here, it's holding something which looks like a magic wand, but that's actually um, an airflow measurement uh, device. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it actually has <laughs> a great a name. Wand. Well, the device actually <laughs> is called, the, the, the sensor is actually called a VelociCalc. Huh. Um, it's really meant to, to be used inside the space station for monitoring airflow. And here we were doing some experiments to see how a robot like uh, Robonaut 2 could carry out tasks which are normally done by humans. Right, those humanoid yeah. robots can use the same tools as astronauts, as so you don't have to retool everything. Uh, that uh, VelociCalc uh, instrument is usually used by astronauts. So yeah. wow. Robonaut, because it, it has hands, can right. actually hold it and use it the same way an astronaut would. Right. 
And the benefit, of course, of you know a robot for doing this kind of job is it doesn't get tired of holding something, right. mm-hmm. and it can right. do it many times over and over, and it's not going to complain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> not to say not that, like not to say that astronauts might complain about things. I mean, frankly, if I was in space, I, I wouldn't care what I would do. It's like, hey, take measurements of the airflow? Sure, I'll sure, do it all day. Happy to. Thanks. Happy to be yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. So what about some current robots in space? that we have. Um, so uh, there's Spheres, uh, which is yes. a, uh, a test bed. Actually, I have a model here. Let me. And this one's near and dear to our heart here at Ames, of course, right? Yeah, it is. Right. So this is a, a model right, of the Spheres, on. which are currently on orbit. There's yes. three of them on the space station. Um, and they've been used as a test bed for guest scientists. So um, developers, technology developers on um, on Earth, like from academia, mm-hmm. from commercial, um, from inside of NASA, have developed technologies that they would like to fly in zero G. And mm-hmm. so they can actually deploy it on a spheres, which would then fly them around inside a space station. So what nice. we see here um, is actually the mounting point where you can uh, put a payload on. Oh yeah, yeah. These, uh, you know, one interesting thing about these is that they, they fly around by using actually carbon dioxide. So there's normally a tank that plugs into these and they oh. have uh, little little nozzles basically um, which release controlled puffs of carbon dioxide. Oh, yeah. Right. So it basically sort is... Sort of these little circular... Really? Exactly. It, sort of, it basically oh, yeah. puffs its way around inside a space station. How oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so, and they've been on orbit for over a decade. Yeah, really? Wow. Yeah. Spheres have been astronauts for over a decade. <laughs> and researchers <laughs> here... You know, researchers well. everywhere, yeah. all around the world. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. So, it, yes, it's kind of the size of a volleyball, we've mm-hmm. been saying, right? Yeah. It yeah. flies itself around, it holds experiments. Okay, mm-hmm. and as, as if that wasn't enough, you guys yeah. upgraded your spheres at one point, right? Yes, tell that's us about right. that project. So, um, we had a project called Smart Spheres where we, uh, we wanted to see what we could do to improve uh, the, the compute power on board, the sensing power on board, because they, these were built, you know, 14, 15 years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, so the sensors, the the computer, very old, very right. out of date. Okay. And so we wanted to be able to kind of speed them up and try uh, some robotics uh, experiments on board. Mm-hmm. And so we actually flew this, which I don't know, Terry, do you want to maybe hold sure. that one up yeah. there? Oh, this is a uh, this is a you might recognize this as a smartphone. Ah. And uh, um, this was actually a Nexus S smartphone, um, which you probably can't find anywhere, anywhere today. Now, really. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is I going think back. I actually had one. Okay. Yeah, this was really state of the art uh, back in like 2010. Um, <laughs> And you know we had to make some modifications. It doesn't look like the off-the-shelf thing. Although I will say this started off, um, you know, at a local electronics store. It was actually purchased um, really? in an electronics just store. Walked in the store and we bought a phone. In, we bought this. This is what we need. Yeah, we <laughs> said we need one of these here. Um, and Can we, you we, sign this certificate? Saying yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> so we had to make some modifications. Um, you know, you, you know, you worry about uh, obviously people worry about breaking their smartphones and you know right, they, they cover their screens. And of course we worry about that, but we didn't want the shards if there were any to fly to off. Fly. Right. So there's, there's actually some Teflon tape on here. Um, it's got this very, you know, sort of sleek battery pack here because we had some concerns about putting a lithium, you know, ba- um, mm, battery pack into space and station, those kinds yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. 
But the great thing about this is it's very compact. It gave us uh, cameras and uh, built-in accelerometers. It mm -hmm. has high bandwidth uh, oh, okay. wireless data transfer. Oh yeah, um, so that's all these great, all, there. all these great kind of things. It's sort of things. like the sort of like the ultimate brain upgrade um, <laughs> right. you know, to, uh, to a robot. <laughs> to a robot. Yeah. Exactly. How cool is that? Yeah. Next time on Pimp Your Robot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And also, the fun fact about Spheres is that it was based on an idea from Star Wars, right? That's uh, right, yeah. yes. Right? Uh, this is uh, based on the training droid mm -hmm. in the first Star Wars movie when uh, Luke <laughs> is learning how to use a lightsaber. Right? <laughs> That's <laughs> so, hilarious. That's so great. So, Star yes, Wars inspired That inspired NASA. that robot. Yeah, yeah. I should point out, I mean, the, the, this actually came up um, you know, from the original place where, where Spheres was developed, and that was at MIT, and mm -hmm. Professor Dave Miller challenged his you know his his engineering class. Yeah. Hey, you know, here's here's a thing in Star Wars. Can you build me one? Yeah. I want one from myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make me one. Yes, please. Students. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right. So that's one that we particularly love. Yes. There are a few others that ha are are currently, I think, on the station that we could yes. talk about and share some pictures. Um, you showed us before Canada Arm. There's Canada Arm two. Two. That's, that's right. Right. It's right? a have... fifty-eight foot. Okay. Uh, robotic yeah. wow. arm on the outside of uh, the space station, and it's used for multiple purposes. But it also it's used to dock the commercial uh, commercial cargo vehicles. Mm -hmm. So what we see here is it um, it's being used to dock the the SpaceX uh, Dragon mm -hmm. capsule. Yeah, and this arm is, is is even as Maria said, it's even longer than the original Canada arm, which was on the on the uh, space shuttle. This one um, also um, is a really big arm. It can actually move, um, you know, eight times more well, than, than the, the original, original one. Yeah, so it's like eight, we always mm -hmm. want more, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So not just one school bus. This could actually move eight school buses yeah. at a time. Well, because it, it moves space station modules, so right. yeah. it actually exactly. needs to be able to do that. And, and uh, it's really cool the way it can inchworm around the station. So it can wherever it needs to be deployed. Mm -hmm. They sort of it, there are holding spots around right. on the outside of the modules. That's so amazing. It, it, it in, inchworms itself across. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Inchworms, yeah. I didn't that's know great. That. I can picture that. Yeah. Well, it's a really cool. fascinating robot because it's actually a collection of, you know, a bunch of different robots that fit together. I and mean, there's the big arm itself, mm -hmm. um, but there's also um, a separate uh, set of robot arms that can attach to the end. And those, those arms form the system called Dexter. Um, ah. Or if you like acronyms, it's the the SPDM, the Special Purpose Dexterous Manipulator. <laughs> okay. um, Dexter, Dexter, Dexterous. Was, yeah. Dexter was good. Exactly. Dexter is fine. Dexter well, you can call good. it Dexter. Yeah. Uh, but it basically allows this large arm to have the ability to to do fine quote fine dexterous motion. So you have mm -hmm. two smaller arms attached to this bigger arm, and those go into a mobile base. And so mm -hmm. now you have this big, large system that can really move all kinds of things around outside of the space station. Wow. Pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, what about Simon? Simon Ooh. with a C. Simon with a C, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, Simon. That, that was built by the uh, German Space Agency and, and Airbus. Um, oh, there and it is. there we see it. Oh, yes. Here's um, Simon. Simon. Uh, it's uh, meant to be a personal assistant uh, to astronauts um, <laughs> on station. So we see him there with uh, Alexander Gerst, who mm. was a commander on station about a year ago, last mm -hmm. summer. Uh, and they ran an experiment. Uh, Simon actually runs Watson, 
Uh, so it's similar to, you know, the smart speakers that, you know, uh, oh. add something to my shopping list or play my favorite song. song. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. That kind of thing. So, I imagine that's pretty yes. And, and the idea is, yeah, yeah, the idea is that they uh, it can be helpful mm-hmm. on, you know, uh, if they need to have a procedure brought up. Um, so, uh, you know, help them with uh, different tasks that they're doing and and. Yeah, your personal robotic yeah. assistant in exactly. space. Exactly, in space. And you just talk yeah. to. You just, you know, it's voice commanded. Yeah. 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 So That seems handy. It's floating yeah, around absolutely. your space station. Yeah. Call yeah. out what you need from it. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. um, uh, I think we have another here, Antball. Antball. Yes. The most adorable this robot you've ever seen. <laughs> oh, there we go. Antball. Uh, so Antball was built by the Japanese Space Agency, um, and it's meant to be basically a floating camera. It can move around uh, inside the Japanese experiment module um, and take over some of the sort of videography chores of astronauts. So uh, a lot of times uh, astronauts need to document activities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so they're filming other astronauts doing things. And so uh, this little robot can take, the, take over that job. Oh, Awesome. Great. Yeah, I have a question here before we go to our rapid fire questions. We're going to take <laughs> yes, as many yes. as possible. Um, but Shamley wants to know, would robots on the International Space Station be controlled by Houston or command here on Earth, or would they be in the hands of the astronaut aboard the station? All of the above. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes. exactly. I mean, I, just like there's, there's no one perfect robot uh, you know, for everything, there's, there's not one... Pr- you know, specific way that any of these robots would be operated. Mm. You know, they could be controlled from from the Earth. They could operate, uh, you know, autonomously, or they could be, you know, operated also by astronauts. So, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. And actually, so spheres that we were looking at a minute ago, it does do some things autonomously on space station, right? And to a certain uh, extent, like, yeah. We have video of it docking and undocking. Uh, not uh, spheres. No. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. We'll Although, come to that. All those spheres, you know, the, some of the experiments that we've done with spheres, you mm. know, we've, we've tried to allow it to operate uh, um, and fly around inside of the space station right. uh, by itself. By itself. Uh, it can be used to carry out things like uh, interior surveys. It can fly oh, back okay. and forth um, to very specific locations, oh. take readings at those locations, and then fly on. Yeah. Um, we have, I, do, do we have a video of that? Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's see if we can get so. that spheres video. Oh, look, there it is. Yes. Ah. So there you see a smart spheres. This is a- Yeah, this was a, actually a different smartphone. So we, we worked with not just the Nexus S, but this was a Project Tango smartphone um, that we, we worked on in partnership with our, our friends next door over at Google. Um, and here is oh, a picture. Is. This is a, a video here. You can actually see a smartphone on the front of spheres. It's flying around inside of the space station. Uh, it's actually going back and forward, back and forth, flying in kind of a lawnmower pattern. And this is what Mission Control sees. So you can see video coming down from the smartphone cameras. <clears throat> you can wow. see uh, what looks like a video game on the right side. You can see mm-hmm. the path that it's flying and the waypoints that it's going back and forth between. So here's flying towards point seven. Um, at the lower right there, there's an image that shows the, the representation of what the camera's seeing, that kind of blue yeah. thing. And this allows us to have a really good understanding of the robot um, in its environment and what it's doing at any given time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. So there's your answer to that. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have a, a comment from uh, Snow the End says, I, l- I heart robots. <laughs> uh, well, we do too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who doesn't heart robots? <laughs> so great. Yeah, there were some others. Quirt? Uh, Go Canada! Was excited about the Canada arm. (laughs) What are some others? We we could jump right into our rapid-fire question session. Answer some quick questions. Yeah, absolutely. Emphasis on the quick. (laughs) We'll try to get a lot in. All right. 
Tiffany, do you so, have one? Yes, I have one. So uh, let's say for Spheres, how long did it take to actually create the robot? To actually design that? Yeah. Uh, well, um, as I said, this this was a, a, a project that started at MIT mm-hmm. with uh, with a, actually an undergraduate engineering class, um, and so the students worked on that um, extensively. That led to a number of different prototypes, and eventually those were sent up to the space station. Um, but you know, the reality is that it's hard to say exactly how long it takes to build something mm-hmm. because you have to design it, test it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of things for the space station that we're concerned about in terms of making sure things are safe. Right, of course. Um, in terms of like materials and how it operates and all those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. um, a fair amount of time associated with that. And then of course, once they get on the space station, you know, just because you get there don't, right. doesn't mean you're it finished. Continues. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Right. In fact, right. for every single research happens. Every single robot that goes up into space, we're still learning how to improve and, and make them better. Mm-hmm. Sweet. That's yep. cool. All right. Uh, a comment about Intball from Airplane Man 1997. So cute. <laughs> I, agree. I agree. We all agreed, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, the JP guy has a question about learning and training to do things like you guys do. Is it possible to learn robotics by self-study and tinkering with machines? What books or resources would you suggest? Uh, yes, I would say I would say so. Robotics is it's a very broad field, so yeah. uh, you can contribute to uh, a robotics project, you know, with a, any kind of background almost. Uh, you know, product designers, uh, yeah. you know, programmers, uh, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers. So really, it's whatever you love to do. Yeah. You know, what what would you prefer to to do, and then uh, you know you can contribute then to yeah. a, a robotics team. That's awesome. That's good news. You could do a lot of different things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think a great thing today, which didn't exist a few years ago, is there are a lot of online classes you can take in robotics. Mm-hmm. And so I think learning by yourself is totally possible. There are even open source uh, robotics projects that you can contribute to. Um, and so I think the important thing is just to get involved uh, and not worry about whether or not this is in a university mm-hmm. or at, at home. I mean. You All can build things, your own yeah. robots at home, get a little Raspberry Pi and yeah. <laughs> Lego set and... Get started, yeah. 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 Nice. Some more. Um, Twitch Prime Quirt, you're back. I saw the floating square robot assistant Astrobe, or maybe it was the other one. I forgot the name. The assistant robots testing on the International St- Space well, Station. You're jumping ahead. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to get that in there since yeah. you anticipated yeah. another yeah. robot. And of course, we have the uh, Space TV Net says on the ISS, do they have something they can talk to or ask questions like Alexa or Google Home? And of course, that was Simon. That's yeah. the idea behind Simon. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you guys so yeah, those things are needed idea. there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's a good question. Godzillers asks, can we expect robots to take over the role of astronauts on spacewalks and conduct things such as maintenance? Well, I think, you know, maintenance is one of those things that we really want to see robots, uh, you know, take on an increasing role Mm -hmm. because so much of the time of of astronauts today is spent doing uh, preventive and corrective maintenance on board the space station. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we'd love to have robots be able to take spacewalks. But, you know, right now we have these large arms that are actually used to do some amount of maintenance external to the space station Mm -hmm. uh, without astronauts. Awesome. Makes sense, yeah. Do you have another one you want to hit? Uh, let's see here. 
there's a question about robotics competitions. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Off yeah. to Mars. Which asks. have been on spheres. That's yeah. the question. Many, many the question. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. This it's audience. called Zero Robotics. All right. That's uh, the question. By, by MIT, <laughs> uh -huh. who developed uh, the, the spheres. Exactly. Cool. Uh, and it's a middle school and high school um, oh, no software way. competition. Yeah. So oh, awesome. The preliminaries are done in simulation. Uh, you, you program uh, the spheres to perform certain tasks. Uh, the, so the preliminary rounds are done in simulation, and then the finalists get to fly their code oh, wow. on the spheres on the International Space Station. Oh, wow, for real. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Middle and high school. Middle and high school. That's so cool. Yeah. 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 Get started early. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was not sending code to the space station no. when I was in middle school. <laughs> no, I wasn't awesome. either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't want to say my age, but right. that wasn't the space station. <laughs> that might have been part of the problem. Maybe. That was part of the problem for me. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh, well, here's another question here. We uh, for Kali Kama. Uh, do you see a point where robot robotics will be able to perform enough tasks where humans won't be needed um, on the ISS? You know, I, I'm often asked that question about, you know, you know, the relative strengths and weaknesses of, right. of humans and robots. And mm -hmm. I I think that, you know, we will always have humans involved in right, space. I mean, partially yeah. it's because, you know, we as humans want to also explore. Um, but it's also the case, too, that, you know, we can't do everything by ourselves. And just like any, you know, team, right. um, you know, there's more than one, more than one. one, one person mm -hmm. involved. And I think there'll be more than, you know, one human and one robot and more than just robots. Um, right. Really, I think the future is humans and robots together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How about one more question from the chat okay. before we move on, which I have now lost. Space TV Net. Hello. Wants to know, what animal shape is the best for robots in zero gravity? Is there That's an animal inspiration, nature inspiration, inspiration? <laughs> oh, for well. the shapes that work? There seem to be a lot of spheres. Is there a reason um, for that? Yeah, well, I but know. I think part of that is, you know, we, we like, for, at least for flying robots, to have some sort of symmetry to them because mm. you can fly in any direction in space. Um, sometimes I think robot design draws inspiration from animals. Um, in biology has obviously evolved all kinds of different shapes, different forms, and we like to take, take advantage of that. Yeah. But we also sometimes draw inspiration, you know, as we said, from like science fiction. Um, yeah. You know, the idea that people come up with in, in Hollywood for robots. I mean, sometimes it's like, hey, we should that use that. Work. We should, yeah. That could work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and a lot of times, shape also, um, it depends on what functionality you're looking for. Yeah, so you I build see. it so that it's most efficient at the job that mm -hmm. you're, you want to accomplish. Right. So that, that's what drives it. That yeah. drives the, yeah, the shape. Definitely. Well. All right. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. That makes, yeah. Well, speaking of science fiction, okay, my question for oh. you is <laughs> we see robots all over in movies and TV shows, comics, everything. What are your favorites? Oh, that's easy. I mean, for me, you know, my favorite robot is uh, K9, mm -hmm. uh, which comes from Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, K9 yeah. was uh, the doctor's robot dog, and uh, it had basically, you know, a supercomputer built in inside and a little laser that in, in its <laughs> nose. But um, yeah, K9, no have, question. Have you built a dog robot yet? I have not, um, but if somebody had one, to? you know. Well, I have to say that one of our previous robots in our group was named K9. Oh, it was. After the Doctor Who robot? Yes. Nice. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. And I have to say, I don't really play favorites. I don't really have a favorite robot. I'm sorry. I have my favorites are real robots. Okay. I have some favorites among them. I mean, someone like you in your position, that's fair, I think. All right. Well, speaking of your favorites, 
Well, no, let's come to that in just a moment. Okay. <laughs> so we wanted to talk about characteristics. Yeah, like what kind of qualities do you look for in a robot? Yeah. Right? Oh, you know, we look for we look for robots that can really help out, especially when we're talking about humans and robots in space. Together, yeah. Um, to really work well together. Mm. Um, and I think just like here on Earth, there's no single definition of what a team is. Uh, mm. The same is true in space. I mean, in fact, we could have robots that work, uh, say, before humans, or mm -hmm. robots that work after humans, mm -hmm. um, or maybe even in parallel um, or in support. So the idea is that you could have a team in all kinds of you know different uh, settings. Um, and so sometimes we build robots uh, to do things that uh, might take a long period of time, and you have them work either before or after. Mm -hmm. Other times we want robots that can interact um, more sort of like human spa uh, pacing. So just like we're talking, we'd like robots that can react to us too. Oh yeah. Right? Do you remember the other day Terry told yeah. his comparison to like, uh, like raising a kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should say that you know, and Marie and I, we spend you know all of our time here at work, you know, thinking about and trying to build robots. robots and right, uh, right. you know, sometimes I will admit it's it's frustrating because um, it's it's not unlike you know trying to raise kids. Um, you want them to grow up to be you know good autonomous team members and to work right. with you. Right. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm not sure if it's more or less challenging than trying to build robots to do the same thing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I will say that my, my kids have grown up to be you know, far more uh, autonomous and independent right. than my robots. Than robots. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a disappointment because I want my robots to oh, do no. as well. Just as well. Right. Just as well. Yeah. But, one, but one of these days. There are certainly <laughs> times when you say, why did it do that? As a father, I would say, yeah, sometimes I look at my kids and like, why did they? Uh, but anyway. Why did they that's do amazing. that? Why did my robot behave that way? Yeah. Why did my robot vacuum cleaner yeah. choose to get wedged under the couch? Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. What was it thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The day in the life of building robots. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. <laughs> well, should we talk about one of your my favorite real robots? Yes, let's favorite talk about robots. Robot. My favorite robot, yeah. which is Astrobee. Uh, Astrobee. Like, yeah. So for you Astrobee fans. That's right. This is what we call this our stunt double. The stunt double nah. for stunt Astrobee. Double Astrobee. What's, um, what's the name of the stunt okay, double? So, um, <laughs> In general, uh, these robots are called Astrobee or mm -hmm. Astrobees, uh, but they each have uh, their own name and, and the color. Yes. So uh, this stunt double model you see is, here, let me turn it so you can see the color better, yeah. is orange um, and is called Killer. Killer Bee. Killer Bee. <laughs> um, but we also have three of these um, on Space Station currently, mm -hmm. and uh, they are named uh, Bumble, which is blue, Honey, which is yellow, and Queen, which is green. So cute. So, uh, so the when we see them, we see them yeah. on camera. We always know which one it is of based on the color. Yeah. So yeah. That's so this cool. is this is my ro my favorite robot. Um, we just finished building these <laughs> and launching yeah. them. Yeah. Um, very exciting. Yeah. It's and been full, exciting full year disclosure for the here, it's Maria's favorite robot because the past four years of my life, nothing but asked for me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. So when you, know, you ask how long it takes to build something, well, Astrobe, well, it's been now almost five years since mm -hmm. we started. But, yeah, that's um, true. But mm -hmm. we, I mean, we finished building them and launching them within those five years. So, okay. so they're and they're now starting to operate within yeah. those five years. So about like little over four years to build mm -hmm. uh, the, the actual flight units. All right. Um, and so I can I can tell you a little bit about how these work. Yeah, uh, usually, the number one question I get when talking about Astrobe is was 
how do they move in, in yeah. zero G, right? Yeah. So first of all, um, Astrobe only works inside the space station mm -hmm. uh, because it needs air. Ah. It's fan-based propulsion. Um, there are two fans on board, uh, these sort of circular, here, rotate yeah, it we again can turn it, yeah. so you can see it better. There we go. Um, the, the circular opening that you see on the side, maybe scooch it that way a little. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steering here, okay. Um, so the, the circular thing looks the like a speaker? The circular thing looks kind of like a speaker. That's a, there's an impeller fan in there, so that pulls air in uh, and lightly pressurizes the, the propulsion module. And then those grills that you see, there's yeah. there's two on yeah. every side, so there's 12 total. That's right. Um, those are hands. nozzles. Abby's there's Abby's fingers, yeah, fingers coming in this right. grilling. Right. Be like Maria's um, <laughs> so those are the nozzles, and they open and close, uh, releasing some of that pressurized air. Um, and that's how it pushes itself around the space station. All right. So yeah, it's it's very light pressure. It's only about 0.1 psi over the ambient uh, station okay. pressure. So very safe. It's not gonna you know the, blow up or anything. The astronauts yeah. don't feel a wind. They will feel. They? You'll oh, feel the breeze. They? In fact, we've seen it when it's <laughs> operating on orbit. We'll see like hair moving, oh, really? okay. little flags <laughs> fluttering. So yeah, you can Neat. definitely see. The air is moving, yeah, um, but see. it's it's not gonna like push them out oh, of the way. Right, They're a little right, too right. massive for this to, to push gotcha. them out. Gotcha. Yeah, yes. cool. All right. So, and then of course uh, the other question we always get is mm. how does it uh, how does it know where it is? You know, how does it mm. move and navigate and not crash into the walls and it, that exactly. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and or the way it does that, that <laughs> is this, this sort of central white section that you see right there yeah. <laughs> is uh, is the the heart and soul of it. It's the core module. Uh, inside are three um, uh, cell phone class computers, mm -hmm. so pretty much the same as, as your cell phone. Um, and it uses uh, a camera. Um, well, actually, uses right. a, uses a set of there cameras. There we go, a set of cameras. But the main camera, the navigation camera on this end right there, mm -hmm. um, uh, it uses that camera to look at features inside the space station. Okay. So it has a map that it keeps on board. Um, of features, it knows where those you know features should be in the okay. station, and then as it's flying around, it compares what it currently sees to that map uh, to right. you know figure out where it is. Say, in the okay. station. Like yeah. So just just like you know humans recognize landmarks to understand right. yeah. where, where we are, this does that, but in a much more precise manner. Yeah. And uh, you know yeah. I, I I think the other thing that Maria was kind of you know pointing at is that we've added a whole bunch of cameras on here mm. uh, that's really enable it to fly around and know where it is. Some of these are optimized for really sort of like the close-in docking um, that you might want to do with a robot, mm -hmm. where you need a lot of accuracy. Um, and others are for just sort of like free flight, um, where yeah. you're really just trying to worry about, hey, am I going to you know, be in the center of a module or near a wall and, and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I see. And then the last thing I'd like to point out on this model, um, and part of the main purpose of this robot is to carry payloads. We are actually going to re be replacing the spheres that we saw earlier um, of to carry around other experiments. Okay. Ah. And so uh, all, there's a lot of open space. Um, you can sort of see my hand coming through right there. All this <laughs> yeah. open space here in the bottom and, and then the, the top, top right. allows um, other technologies uh, to plug into this robot and we will fly you around wherever you want to go in space station. Uh, take your experiment, your equipment. Yeah. Uh, we'll take you so around great. space station. How cool is that? So you yeah. can test that, it out actually, a little bit. If, if, if people out there have an idea for, hey, you've got a great you know, mechanism or a sensor or something else that could be built for Astrobe, and you can go to www.nasa.gov slash Astrobe, A-S-T-R-O-B-E-E, -E, and you'll find all kinds of information about the Astrobe Guest Science 
program. Mm -hmm. And uh, that Perfect. tells people about you know, the physical size of the payload bays, you know, how you can uh, really develop software uh, for this. Um, and actually some of, some of our interesting experiments are just gonna be uh, just purely software that right, people right, write right. and we upload uh, into one or more of the processors mm -hmm. on board. Do you want to show them the, our payload? Oh, sure. We have yeah, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, we have um, one of the payloads um, is is this. Uh, it's a uh, it's actually a robot arm. Uh, you can see the gripper here, and we can open the gripper up here. Ah. Um, actually, you can hear the motors. Um, you know. I love that. Ah, <laughs> it's a robot. Yeah. Can um, we hear? Can we hear some more of that, yeah. Terry? Uh, sure. it's, like, it's like the NASA ASMR right. moment of the day. <laughs> it's so soothing. I like I it. Yeah, exactly. No. But, um, How cool is that? But this is this is a payload for Astrobe, just like any other, and it can plug in. I'm gonna hand it to Maria. I'll just can... show you where it would go. Yeah. Like right in here in the top payload bay. We just slot it in here. Oh, all right. Okay. Right. And, and then, then we have these couple of levers here that the astronauts can can switch to lock it into place. Mm -hmm. And so it and so how would Astrobe use the perching arm? Oh, so it has it has this gripper uh, mm -hmm. on the front here, and um, you know I can actually open this up here. Um, this is designed to uh, really you know reach in and grab something. Grab so something. You, you can take like a bottle of water. Oh, nice. You can grab the bottle of water here. Yeah. Turn it around <laughs> like this. Great. But inside the space station, um, there are all these handrails right, that are all over inside the space station, and the astronauts actually use reach out the and they grab onto them to hold mm -hmm. on, ah, yeah. hold themselves in position or to push themselves uh, mm -hmm. on. Onto the next area, and we can take advantage of all the handrails there um, for Astrobe to grab onto, um, and that's why we refer to this actually as the perching arm. You know, it's oh, it's mm -hmm. meant to perch onto things inside the space station. Right. Yes. When Astrobe grabs hold of the handrail, we can turn the propulsion modules off mm -hmm. and save energy. Ah, mm, okay. so, and how then, cool is that? Yeah, and because there's a camera, we have a high def camera on the front end, um, and the the perching arm here would be off the back end. Right, we can use this then as a pan tilt unit to point the camera wherever mm, we want. Okay. Yeah. So you can ah, actually yeah, still work, yeah. move the cam, even though the robot is kind of grabbed onto something and right. not flying around. Right. You can still point the camera and move oh, the yeah. camera around. So it can still be working. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I have a question here mm -hmm. from MDM PhD. What serious mission aspects can be worked by robots such as Astrobe? Oh well, all kinds of things. Uh, um, <clears throat> you know. This, in addition to being a, a research platform, um, you know, that's a you know, follow on to spheres, um, mm -hmm. is also for us meant to be something we can test out uh, various things that we would like future robots to do inside of uh, you know, spacecraft or maybe even future habitats on, on planets. Mm -hmm. So for example, mm -hmm. um, this robot is gonna carry um, a different payload built by our friends down at NASA Johnson in Texas. Uh -huh. um, that's an RFID uh, scanner. So basically, we can go around and use the free-flying robot to take inventory mm -hmm. of things that we have tagged with, you know, little little tags. Just um, like in your credit card. Just like in your credit yeah. card, you or you might tap see it against these, the you know, reader and like yeah. grocery stores, um, mm -hmm. just to do inventory. So inventory is a great task for robots. Mm -hmm. Um, another is uh, just monitoring the environment, uh, just trying to uh, assess, you know, like light levels or sound levels or air quality. Um, and so we could put different sensors onto Astrobe and do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all kinds mm -hmm. of interesting things that you can use uh, a robot for to right. really, you know, help take care of the environment right. inside right. of your spacecraft. And, mm -hmm. and kind of freeing up the time for the astronauts, right? Because they spend a lot of time doing tasks like the inventory and the monitoring. And if you have a, rat, a robot doing that, it you know frees them up to do other things, right? Yeah, is that kind of the, the I, I think that's that, the, the purpose. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think I think today um, <clears throat> maybe we'll talk about this more and later on in the the show here. But mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, today on the space station, it's a place where we have, you know, astronauts all the time. It's been continuously manned for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the astronauts actually spend a lot of their time doing maintenance, a lot of routine maintenance. Um, some of it is just, you know, preventive. You know, it's time to actually, you know, change an air filter. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it is corrective because something broke. Um, and we'd like to try to use robots to help uh, take care of those tasks so that, you know, the astronauts don't have to spend so much of their time, time doing, doing that. that. Right, right, right. 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 Cool. Uh, I have a couple comments about ah. Aster V. That's one weird looking R2D2. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. Uh, okay, I want one. <laughs> and oh, it's kind of like a companion cube. It, yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> it's been pointed out to us the, the resemblance uh, in the past. Yeah. It's just like yeah. a companion cube. All right. Yeah. Um, we have a question here uh, that says How do you? Charge or recharge yeah. the Astro Beam. That's an excellent okay. question. We didn't even maybe get to can, that. Maybe you could turn the robot around and. Uh... Yeah. So uh, Astro Beam actually has a docking station on uh, on space station um, that lets us. Uh, the robot can actually autonomously plug itself in. So it's kind of your Roomba in space. Uh, <laughs> you know, it can go out and fly these sorties where it takes measurements and uh, does guest science. And then when it starts, the power starts to run low. Um, it has a docking port on the back, which we see here, um, and it can actually back itself into its its docking station and recharge. Yeah. Um, and we also give it an Ethernet connection to the space station uh, mm-hmm. local area network uh, right. when we do that. So we get a little bit of higher bandwidth on, on uh-huh. communication. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you could download any data. It was exactly. Yeah, the data your, your we just finished collecting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should we check out the video of that? Yeah. Oh, yes, Since we're talking yeah. about so we docking, docking and undocking. Yeah. Yeah, talk oh, here through. we go. This is, so this is Astrobee's first autonomous undock. Um, we see uh, astronaut David there uh, giving us the play-by-play. That's not a toothbrush he's holding. That's actually a microphone. <laughs> Um, and uh, everybody was excited so by that first autonomous motion. And then here we see it docking. This is our first autonomous docking motion. So it just backed itself up into the dock. Uh, we'll see a little light come on telling us that there we go, we've got a good connection. Um, and this was a big celebration uh, for us, uh, <laughs> yeah. the team running this. Uh, and and crew was very excited too. So we see uh, as well, <laughs> yeah. Christina was very excited by that as well. Awesome. Big steps. Yes, yeah, yeah. very big steps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did the astronauts say about working with Astro-V? Like, oh, we've gotten all kinds of really, it? you know, you know, really positive comments from them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for them, really, it's it's a new teammate in mm-hmm. space. Um, That's cool. And uh, you know, I re- recall the the first time, um, you know, that Astro-V was at least the first Astro-V was unboxed. It was kind of yeah. like like you know. Christmas in space. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, look what I got! I got a, I got a new teammate. I got a new roommate, all, all in one, and I can teach it how to actually, you know, be a good, good roommate. <laughs> you know, awesome. you get your new cell phone and you're pulling it oh, out of the yeah. box. Yeah. It was very exciting. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. very shiny, like, new. Yeah. Yeah. How do I turn the it on? latest thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. It's like, do I have to read the manual? <laughs> can I just play with it? Yeah. So we've certainly yeah. had that. We, when we were first building it, it was very much a concern that we would be good teammates, that we wouldn't mm-hmm. be, for instance, too loud. You know, oh. we want to stay quiet and we don't want to be annoying. With the <laughs> so, fans, with the air. So blowing? because of the fans, yeah. okay. it's going to make a constant noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to, you know, minimize that. And so far, the feedback we've gotten from from astronauts is that it's it's very reasonable, it's not mm. too loud, and it's they actually kind of like it because they can hear it coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't it sneak, sneak up, up on them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> 
You yeah. had some other fun things to say the other day about um, the astronauts are guiding it around, I think, sort of teaching That's right. it to walk, so, you said. Yes. Uh, one of the first activities we had to do is, is build the map of mm-hmm. the inside of the space station. So right? We have models going. on the ground, yeah. but you need to know what it really looks like you know, okay. from the robot's point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, astronaut David uh, was uh, actually flying us, manually flying us around so that we could collect imagery data while he was moving us around. Because we don't know where we are yet, so we can't yeah. fly ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So he yet. manually moved us back and forth. And he, he, it was great. He said it was like teaching a child to walk. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. Was, that's that was so really cool. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hands yeah. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. <laughs> I must say, it was really interesting and like exciting watching you guys you know, do these you know, tests in the lab here. And just mm-hmm. the excitement. Oh. I mean, the astronauts are excited. And then the team's excited here. It's oh, really, yeah. really cool to experience. Kind of, I was in the back like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I mean, we, we have spent a lot of time, you know, working through the design and development mm-hmm. of, of Astro B, and certainly, I think for the team, you know, seeing it in space was just hugely, re- you know, really re- rewarding. rewarding. It was right. really great to see that, you know, you know, actually happen. Yeah, I can give you some yeah. breaking news that just yesterday morning, very early in the morning, <laughs> we uh, we had a, a test with Astro B with with Bumble, the blue the blue robot, mm-hmm. uh, flying it around. It flew itself. It autonomously operated. It ran a whole bunch of plans, mm. you know, undocked itself, flew around, came back to dock. Uh, it went really great. Yeah, it was awesome. a wonderful activity. Gosh, yeah. to see that independence, it really is like a kid. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, just a couple months ago, David was walking it around. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now it's on its own. Yeah. The thing there is, we don't want to wait, you know, 20 years for it to grow right. up and get a college degree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we'd like it to right. be sooner than that. kind of needs to benefits of robots, man. Quick, quick, quick. They do. They leave the nest early. Yeah. 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 All right. So we've been talking about how these robots are helping astronauts today, right? Mm -hmm. So what about looking a little bit ahead? Because right now NASA is busy working to get humans to the moon in 2024. That's the Artemis program. That's right. Mm -hmm. Could you maybe summarize for people what that Artemis is all about and then yeah so I mean Artemis is, is certainly a first step of you know extending human presence beyond just uh, you know earth and earth orbit mm-hmm. um, you know our goal here is of course to get people back to the moon um, you know by 2024 and to do that we're building a number of different systems you know new spacecraft uh, new landers um, and this really interesting thing called the gateway mm-hmm. yes you know um, it's meant yes. to be an, an orbiting sort of mini space station around the moon. Um, And it's a place that we're building not just because we want something to orbit the moon, but it's really a jumping off point um, to go beyond the moon. And also to be a place where you can, you know, carry out experiments uh, beyond Earth orbit, Mm -hmm. a place where you can, you know, use that to go to and from the lunar surface. but unlike the space station, it's meant to be a place where, you know, we'll only occasionally be there, at least at first. Okay. Right. And so if you're only there for, say, you know, a few weeks of the year, what happens the rest of the time? Well, yeah, right. it's like having a vacation home. You still need to take care of that. Yeah, have to maintain it. You need to, you yeah. know, do caretaking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, I think the very best way of doing that is to, to make use of robots. Yeah. You know, um, you know, maybe they'll be a little lonely because they're there by themselves, <laughs> but they can take care of the place. Yeah, um, so right, make yeah. sure the lights are on. And yeah, we can talk to them. Yeah. We can talk the to them from Earth. Yeah, so. we can, yeah. They can phone you can home. Talk right. Yeah, exactly. Keep them company. That's yeah. nice. We have an animation of the Gateway. It might be fun for people yeah. to see that. Um, and I think you just answered Pluto 09's question. Could you explain how the role of robotics could be on the planet? Yeah, well, you see a robot arm right, right yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Actually, yeah. We, we talked earlier about robots being inside and outside a station. So, uh, and I think the same thing is true about uh, the gateway. 
Uh, certainly, um, we expect there to be an external robot arm. You can see that right there in the animation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at, at uh, some point in the future, hopefully not too distant future, we'll see robots uh, inside um, performing some of these uh, these caretaking right. you know, tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and I think beyond that too, of course, you know, here um, you know, at NASA, we have spent uh, quite a bit of time, you know, researching and studying. You know how humans and robots can work together on planetary surfaces. Oh, yeah. Right, other worlds. So yeah. as we get you know people back to the moon, I fully expect there to be be robots there as well. And right. there are the ideas that you could have humans and robots uh, doing things on the surface. Maybe the robots are doing scouting. Maybe they're setting up uh, you know infrastructure mm -hmm. like uh, communication arrays, solar panels. Uh, maybe habitats. help habitats. Yeah. Maybe help, oh, yeah. helping yeah. build landing mm -hmm. pads. Um, and there, you know, really, I think the Honestly, the sky's the limit about the things you can think about for ways for humans and robots to team right. um, as we carry out future exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we have a question here from and you know to what you're speaking about, Airplane Man, 1997. Uh, will we have robots in deep space um, on other planets that will help humans, you know, explore those planets that we've never, you know, explored before? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we we have robots today on Mars, but at some point in time, we'll have humans there as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think um, at least right now, the the current focus on the moon is a great opportunity, of, not just for NASA, but for the for you know the entire world, world. Mm -hmm. to learn how to really live and work, um, you know, on another planetary surface on the moon. Right. And then we can use all the things that we learn, everything that we've developed and tested, and apply that to other places, uh, mm -hmm. such as Mars. Right, right. Kind of continue started. the teaming that you, you yeah, talked about earlier, exactly. right? On other worlds, yeah. strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Did, did you guys already talk a little bit about the before, in parallel, and after kind of ideas? Yeah, I think yeah. Terry sort of covered uh, yeah. a bit of that with talking about scouting right. and preparing mm -hmm. infrastructure. Uh, sort of the after is you can, uh, you know, crew's only going to be there for a certain amount of time. You know, that the humans will probably then go home after a mm -hmm. uh, few months or a year maybe. Uh, and then you want that the robots will stay behind so they can continue to do some of the work that the astronauts started. Yeah. Uh, for instance, we talked about those tedious, you know, yes. jobs. Yes. Taking lots of measurements so they could go in there and really characterize the site, really collect right, a lot right. of data, you know. Yeah. That, would be probably a lot, lot for an astronaut to do. Right. So that's um, what I picture the human right. saying. This looks fascinating to study. Now go spend yeah, a well, year and, and, and taking measurements. In fact, yeah. several years ago, we had a research project here at NASA Ames called the Robotic Follow-Up Project, and Maria was actually the <laughs> the, the project manager for that. Okay, um, and that was really all about exactly that. You know, we we sent out uh, some astronauts uh, into the field, and they had handheld. Uh, you know, cameras and instruments. Here on Earth, I guess. Oh, yes. here on Earth. Yeah, <laughs> in, in an analog. It was a simulated site. It was what we call a planetary analog. Mm -hmm. You know, so a location on Earth that has features, features that are similar, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly, to places the that we planets. care about on the moon or Mars. Um, mm -hmm. In this particular case, it was in the Canadian Arctic. Oh, wow. Um, this wonderfully interesting place uh, called Devon Island. And on there is a large uh, 20 kilometer, you know, 12 meter or 12 mile or so diameter uh, impact structure, you know, a big giant crater. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Something we, hit the Earth, we yeah. had uh, simulated astronauts uh, doing um, some mapping work there, some uh, field geology work. Um, and then after they were done, you know, they came back home. We looked we at their, the robots. We looked yeah. at the data, yeah. <laughs> and then we sent the robots. So the robots followed up okay. after the humans. Hence right. the name, the exactly. robotic follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> and they were able to, like, for instance, use a, a ground-penetrating radar and oh, wow. sweep over the ground, you know, just going back and forth, yeah. and basically mowing the lawn <laughs> with, the, with the GPR. So. Yeah, taking you know, thousands of measurements that, that exactly. frankly, would have been 
really tedious, really mm-hmm. um, you know difficult. I think for humans, for humans to, right. to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. How did it yeah. do? Did it do well? Did it do yes. its job well on its it own? Did. It didn't uh, slack yeah. off after the humans left. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's like another another set of readings, really. No. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. No. I'm gonna take a break. Yeah, I mean, robots robots um, they they might run out of energy, but right. you know, they, they still need care and feeding exactly. as well. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So that was the after example of right. this. Yeah. Before, I, during, and after humans are there, which is kind of like surgery. You told me the other day. Yeah, well, we already it, do it's, this. It's, then. it's like surgery too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, obviously the brain surgeon's not going to do everything end to end. You right. know, there's someone who's right. doing preparation, the mm-hmm. and they get the patient ready mm-hmm. and the operating room ready, and then the, the brain surgeon comes in. Then you know, does, does the their job. bit. They leave, <laughs> and then somebody cleans up afterwards. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think. Um, you know the idea that that humans working with robots in space, you know, it might they might follow that same kind of model. You mm-hmm. have robots that are doing things ahead of time, and maybe mm-hmm. it takes a long time, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the humans uh, arrive and do the parts that require humans, and you know afterwards, yeah, you know, the robots come back and they say, yeah. oh, okay, now the pesky humans are gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I can get some work done. Exactly, exactly. Jeez, I've been waiting forever. Right, right. Yeah. I can do this much quicker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here, here's an example. Use maybe Airplane Man 1997 wants to know: Should there be a robot that follows people around to make sure areas are safe when we're on Mars, for example? Mm. Perhaps the moon, or yeah, there there have been other projects here at NASA that have looked at the idea of of robots doing scouting, where sc- mm. where they're really scouting, you know, not you know years in advance, but just ahead of, of humans, um, or maybe robots that are just behind them carrying tools or mm. uh, supplies. Oh, yeah, um, I think that kind of you know real time support is also really of interest too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, all three. Yeah, all right. Um, We've got lots of questions, so we're going to definitely save time for those. Uh, some comments like, the life is yours, calls Astor B. Space Roomba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we thought of that, too. Um, uh, we've, we've, we've had other comments, too, that you know, uh, people have said, hey, you know, the, the Sphere is robots that you guys have been working with, obviously inspired by Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you know, some, some people have said, well, you know, your new robot is a cube. You know, so was that inspired by that other you know, show? <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, it, is, it, is it a mini Borg? Yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> what are its intentions? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's cube. Yeah. So far, it's been very good. It has, it's yeah. very benign. Very right? <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't tried to assimilate everybody. No. <laughs> Exactly. Just want to make that clear. Um, we uh, have a question. Well, we have a question here from uh, Coffee FX saying, "What are the biggest challenges in building a robot designed to operate in a space environment?" Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah. actually, one of our biggest challenges in it, it comes from operating near humans is mm-hmm. safety. Right. Of course. So the- you know, we could probably make a robot that can fly real fast, and mm-hmm. it, but it, it, you know, there are windows on space station, so we don't want to actually so break, break a one. window. Yeah, that would not be good. <laughs> that would not yeah. be good. So actually, it's been pretty challenging coming up with a propulsion system mm-hmm. that's very nimble, um, responsive, uh, moves us at like a reasonable rate, can move a reasonable amount of mass, and yet is safe. Right. Um, so, you know, those considerations really make it a challenge. Are there, I don't know, are there hardware considerations? Like, does it have to be extra sturdy? 
more oh, than there's, oh, yeah. there are all sorts of yeah. <laughs> the thing is you know the, the, the space station environment um, is, is actually a nice gentle environment I mean there's 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 very little gravity I mean it's really microgravity there yeah. you know, essentially zero gravity um, and it's like an office environment you know it's shirt sleeved it's you know it's temperature yeah. control right? temperature yeah. control <laughs> but, the, but the problem is getting there because yeah, to get yeah, there, you yeah. have to get on a rocket. Right. And yeah, a rocket right. shakes you and shakes you and shakes you. And so some of what we did over the past couple of years was try to design Astrobe to survive, really, the shock of being launched wow. to the space station. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we had to do vibration testing and right. make sure that it still worked after we shook it. Yeah. So yeah. that was, yeah. yeah. So there are structural constraints, um, electricity, electrical as well. Your systems right. you have to be... Make sure that you're not going to shock any, you know, right, astronaut that touches you, <laughs> yeah. or, or kind of you know, bring down using? any other uh, system on the space station. Mm-hmm. So you have to play right. nice with all the other systems on the space station. Yes. So, you know, uh, you have to look at radiate. Like, do you are you radiating noise? You know, mm-hmm. are you going to interfere with the other systems on space station? Mm-hmm. So okay. A lot and, of consideration. And of course, we control um, astrophy from the ground from mission control. Right. And so that means we're sending, you know, data. Back, and, back forth. and forth, yeah. And on the space station, it's being you know set across the the wireless network, the Wi-Fi network on space station. Mm-hmm. So of course you don't want to be a network hog either. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> network He's hog. He's on a Wi-Fi speed, man. <laughs> no streaming HD video. Yeah, yeah, right. Wait a minute, we do stream HD. Uh, <laughs> exactly. No. What movie are you playing right yeah. now? Master B. What are you watching? Yeah. Also, I I know I've talked to you guys about this. Um, you know, taking what you guys learned from Spheres and applying that to Astro B. Um, in your design and testing for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of our considerations was we didn't want to have astronauts have to put um, these gas canisters into astrobe. That's mm-hmm. that's a chore that we're adding to the chores then yeah. for right. the astronauts right. to take care yeah. of the robot. Mm-hmm. So we made an all-electric system and that can just plug itself in. And, and so the only consumable is electricity, you know, battery power, mm-hmm. yeah, really. It's so. got this docking station that can go recharge itself. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I guess the other thing too that we should have pointed out about the spheres is that in addition to this, you know, uh, carbon dioxide propulsion, which is in a little tank that you change out, um, it requires uh, basically these uh, these eight pack of AA batteries. Oh, yeah. Um, and of course, that what that means is that the spheres couldn't really run for a particularly long time. Yeah. You know, maybe an hour or two, mm. and then you know someone's gonna come over and change, change the tank and change the batteries. Mm. And so Astrobe, yeah. a core part of the design was. Let's get away from all that. Let's, right. let's mm-hmm. let it just recharge itself. Right. Well, and then Spheres also was not allowed to operate by itself because the materials are not uh, are there's some flammable materials, so it had to have human in- oversight at all times. All times. Yeah. Right. In case it burst into flame, uh. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but, hasn't, hasn't happened. Hasn't no, happened. Didn't but, happen. Yeah, yeah, didn't happen. But yeah. so all the materials on Astrobe mm-hmm. are either uh, flame retardant or mm-hmm. they're they're such a small amount that they aren't a hazard, or we cover them with a flame retardant um, material. Oh, yeah. Right. That's pretty cool. Smart. Yeah. Um, you were talking about communicating with the robots, so here's maybe a bigger general question. Are these robots designed to communicate directly with the DSN? And can you tell us what the DSN is? <laughs> so the, the DSN is the, the Deep Space Network. Um, mm-hmm. It's what NASA and, and frankly, I believe all uh, spacefaring countries use to communicate to, to spacecraft, uh, robotic or human uh, in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
I think uh, as we see robots going to other places uh, along with humans, then there'll be you know more and more use of, of the, the DSN for communications. Mm. Uh, on the space station, of course, we don't use the DSN because okay. it's in Earth orbit. Mm -hmm. uh, we instead use another system. Um, called TDRS, T -D -R -S, right. which don't, stands yeah. for... Don't ask me! Uh, <laughs> I was worried you were going to ask me. Yeah, <laughs> tracking and Data Relays satellite system, I think. Uh, okay. But basically, it's a set of communication satellites in Earth orbit, and it relays the signals from the space station um, to the ground, mm -hmm. to, to mission control. Mm -hmm. um, and so we use that to communicate to and from the space station. All right. Perfect. Um, yeah, it's interesting. There, there are uh, dropouts in COM um, between the space station and the ground. Oh, yeah. Um, so we also designed Astrobe to be able to operate through those dropouts when it can't oh, okay, talk good. to the ground. Yeah. So that's you know, the autonomous nature of, of right. Astrobe. Right. can carry on. So it can carry wild. on doing what it was carry doing. Carry on, yep. carrying on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we actually have some questions about career paths into yeah. robotics and things like that. Can you guys kind of share how you got into robotics and, you know, your education? We have people who are interested in, you know, what kind of, you know, programs were you in in school and internships and mm -hmm. things like that? So first off, I might be a little bit biased, but, you know, ah. I think that everybody should be a roboticist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think partially is because it is really fun uh, mm -hmm. working with, with robots. Yeah. And um, as Maria said earlier, I mean, robotics in, covers lots of different kinds of, of domains, lots of different areas of study. And so there's not one single path that you can go down or have to go down. Uh, you can, if you like you know, computers, you can be a, come at this from a computer science point of view. If you like mechanical design, you know, mechanical engineering or electrical engineering. We need you all. We need you all. <laughs> we need yeah. you all, yeah. 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 Awesome. And somebody wanted to know if you can use programmers. Yes. Uh, well, web yeah, Alex the Unicat, do web developers help in robotics? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Heck yeah. Because one of the key things we, we we worry about is you know how do we understand what the robot is doing and how mm -hmm. do we communicate to that? How do we command it? And so, in addition to building the robot system itself, we'll build user interfaces. You know, all the interfaces that run admission control that talk to spacecraft. Well, some of those are custom interfaces. Some of them. I'll just run on web browsers. Mm, you know, they okay. might be web applications. Mm. And so I think the answer is definitely yes. Um, yeah. You know, you can get involved. If you're doing web programming, hey, you could do that for, for a robot, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. Good Our news. GDS system is web-based. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's software design here, So, right? yeah, we have a, actually a, a ground data system that, uh, that we use for science planning, so mission mm. science planning oh, yeah. uh, that's web-based. Cool. Yeah. All right, so a resounding yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, a couple of people have asked about the cost of space robots and mm -hmm. When do you consider that? That was the question. Do you consider the cost before or after? And yeah, so you, you know, in terms of stuff? like you know the robots themselves these days, at least for the ones inside the space station, which mm -hmm. is just like being in an office or a home, um, you know the, the the components actually are not the main cost. The main cost has to do with the the time spent developing and mm -hmm. and, and building and engineering yeah. the engineering time. But uh, you know, Astrobe, as Maria said, uses a, a set of basically uh, smartphone class processors, mm -hmm. um, and we use off-the-shelf uh, software as well. Uh, Astrobe runs uh, both Android and Linux um, mm -hmm. in terms of operating system. And, uh, and so it's not you know, like we've custom crafted our own unique 
you know, set of of, of software. Right. Some of the hardware obviously is unique. Yeah, I mean, right, Astro B yeah. doesn't look like anything you'd buy in a store. Right. But With the right. machine parts. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or print. Yeah. Actually, a lot of Astro B is 3D printed. 3D printed. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. But if you open it up, a lot of the insides, you're like, oh, I recognize that. I could buy that. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Um, I have one that I like. I'm curious about too. The JP guy asks: Is it possible to create self-sterilizing robots to prevent contamination during exploration? Oh wow! No, so one a possible payload for Astro B in the near future. Uh, we had some folks come in to talk to us about. Um, it's a st- equipment for sterilizing oh, really? in, inside the space station. It's basically ultraviolet light, I think, UV yeah. light. Yeah, UVC. Um, U- yeah, yeah, UVC, UVC light. Um, that it's basically like a panel of LEDs mm-hmm. that you just go and hold it up against the, or near a surface, and the light will sterilize it. Okay. So. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> we can oh, sterilize them. I think a lot of people... We can sterilize each other. You know, one astrobe could sterilize the other one. Yes, so. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I think if people go hiking, you know, they do have these uh, water uh, yes. sterilizing I systems. Have one, yeah. Oh, you have one? Oh, really? Yeah. SteriPen. Okay. It's basically yeah. UV light. Yep. Um, and it's used uh, to, to oh. kill off bacteria and... Ah, exactly. That could work. It could yep. work, Very definitely. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we have a comment here from uh, Wallapo. Very cool, y'all. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, here's a question from Rast R. Um, are there any crawling robots? Mm. Um, robots that could easily manipulate things rather than flying um, because that uses you know, a certain kind of energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we saw some of the other robots that NASA has worked with in the past earlier on the mm-hmm. show. Um, you know, I I certainly think that all kinds of robots are needed, needed. for space. Right, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, robots like 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 Robonaut two mm-hmm. um, that we had a few years ago. I mean, those were designed to be humanoid. Robonaut two actually um, at one point was going to have a pair of these climbing limbs. So, um, oh. well, the legs look kind of backwards, so the knees were kind of backwards, basically. Yeah, it doesn't ah, look, it's not look natural. Right, right. Right. So, but, but that would allow Robonaut to really like climb all over in the inside of space station. So it would have two arms and two legs or mm-hmm. two limbs, and then you could use all four of those to climb around. Now, oh. unfortunately, we, we, we had some, some problems with the electrical system, and we brought Robonaut 2 back down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe in the future, you'll see systems like Robonaut 2 um, that can climb. Yeah. And, I think, and actually, for ground exploration, again, there right. are snake robots and, oh, you know, that, again, yeah. bio-inspired, you know, yeah. uh, inspired yeah. by insects and snakes yeah. and, yeah, all yeah. sorts of things that, that, you know, move across the ground in different ways and are, can be very efficient. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of work developing these uh, sort of bio-inspired yeah. robots. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of related to this one. The, the Life is Yours asks, would a robot like the Boston Dynamic ones work on Mars and the Moon? You well, know the ones? You know, Can you describe a little? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, obviously Boston Dynamics has, has created lots of really interesting videos mm-hmm. showing their robots doing everything from gymnastics yeah. to yeah. all yeah. kinds of things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with running and jumping and hopping. and. You know, quite honestly, you know, NASA has interest in those things, those kinds of, of mm-hmm. you know, robot capabilities, mm-hmm. uh, because there are places that are just not suited to wheels. Um, yeah. There are places where sense. maybe you can't fly if there's no atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Astro B, for example, does require air, air and right. mm-hmm. the Mars helicopter requires air on Mars. Mm-hmm. You can't really have that kind of flying robot on the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, 
without it's atmosphere. Not right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no. And while yeah. like the the Boston Dynamics robot um, doesn't require air to move, it's probably designed to operate in air for things like cooling. So mm-hmm. you right. couldn't just transport that ro- that particular robot not as, it, as, uh, yes. is, as is to the moon. Right. That's a good. Or point. To, yeah. So you'd have to do some redesign uh-huh. so that it would be capable of operating on those other in those other environments. Right. But the method of locomotion certainly, mm-hmm. yeah. We would be, we're looking at walking and, and crawling robots. And jumping yeah. and hopping and exactly. running. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Cool Stay is that. tuned. Um, a couple people have asked, again, I think it's about Astro B, how do these robots propel themselves in zero gravity in a spaceship? So could you just review quickly? Review, the, the okay. So in? it's a fan-based system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this our particular robot. There are other ways of propelling yourself yeah. uh, mm-hmm. inside a space, uh, space station. But um, Astrobe in particular is fan-based. It has uh, impeller fan. Actually, can we pull oh, it back sure. up? Oh, sure. Let's just bring it back up on the table real quick. Here. <laughs> All right. So actually, right there is might be good. So I can actually, actually can point, point at things. Yeah. yeah. So um, again, this circular opening here, there is an impeller fan. Let me move you my head here. Oh, Okay. There we go. This is better. So now I can actually talk to the microphone. Um, <laughs> so this circular part here, there's a fan inside here. And that brings the air into this sort of, it's sort of like a box almost on the end of the robot, this, um, this sort of black section. Um, and then it goes, uh, it, so it lightly pressurizes um, the box. And then these grills right here. They look like the vents in your car. Yeah, they or look something. like little vents. Um, there's a nozzle behind that, right? The grill is to keep um, astronaut fingers from going in and getting pinched. <laughs> so that's why the grill is there. But um, but behind there are, are these um, uh, nozzles that have uh, flappers mm. that open and close, and so that it that lets air out. And yeah. you have D- that different amounts of air. Different amounts, right? You open it a little bit, you get a little bit of air. You open it wide, you get more air. Um, and then so that the air moving out pushes the robot in the opposite direction. This is the whole oh. magic of zero G, right? Yes. It's the, yes. You're floating, and it's the you know equal and opposite reactions. Right. <laughs> so right, right. Uh, that's how we we propel ourselves around space station. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Apollo MG asks, is it gyro stabilized, and what does that uh, mean? It's partially quote gyro stabilized because <laughs> you know you have fans here, and there's actually a fan on both sides, so it's it's counter rotating, um, mm-hmm. and. Right. What's fascinating is that depending on how fast we spin this, you know, we can change how stable it is in space. So as we do docking, for example, and we want to move in very precisely right. um, and very, you know, with very smooth motion, we'll basically spin up the robot. And you can actually hear it get louder oh, yeah? um, oh. and it becomes more stable oh. um, because it's using its fans and how fast they're spinning to stabilize itself. It also gets a little more control authority because there's a little more pressure, ah, yeah. a touch okay. more pressure. So it can actually push itself a little bit harder. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Nice. Uh, there's, it keeps coming in. Astro, I know. We have one on. question from Ill Inc. Um, are robots good for tending the growing of plants in space? Oh, uh, you know, um, this is actually a super timely question. Because, <laughs> well, yeah. So good job. Yeah. Three good weeks one. ago, I, I went to a NASA workshop on mm-hmm. on how robots could be used uh, to help grow uh, crops in space. And um, it's fascinating. Um, you think about all the challenges that you know would be associated with doing that. I mean, planting and monitoring yeah. and tending and harvesting and then processing afterwards. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a great area for research and development. Um, not ready today, 
But um, if we want to send humans, especially in the deep space, right, you know, of course. we can't just package all the food. Right. They're right. not just going to be eating, you know, out of microwavable things. They're going right. to need fresh food. And mm-hmm. um, it's a really, as anybody who's grown anything um, knows, it takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. And so I think robots definitely uh, yeah. are needed for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Some are already being used on Earth um, yeah. to tend oh, okay. uh, crops. Yeah. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, and, and, to th- tend th- and, and harvest, there's, this, yeah. there's this whole uh, new interesting, uh, you know, category called vertical farming. Um, you know, where people oh, yeah. want to like grow um, really crops inside their homes or their apartments and uh, in small spaces. In small spaces, right? right yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. how can you grow vertically? You have all these different like shelves mm-hmm. and like uh. Uh, like hydroponics that go into. Um, you know, help grow, plants grow, but the problem is you still have to take care of the system itself. Yeah. You know, things always get clogged, things need to get harvested. Um, so I think we're going to need robots for that. Robots Definitely. for that. Yeah. All right, nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's an interesting one. Um, phone things asks, what types of prehensile tasks do robots perform in space, i.e. gripping and grasping tasks? Is that something well, you guys so can speak Well, so we already to? talked about uh, the Perching arm, the perching arm, yes, that can grip B onto can, things can grip. And, and yes, uh, save energy by doing that. Um, also, we, we've been looking at prehensile tasks that, like a rover, oh. for instance, a wheeled robot uh, can do when it's on uh, a, a planetary surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, it can dig a trench, right? If you you drive three of the wheels and your fourth one, you just kind of you turn it sideways and spin it a little bit oh, differently, okay. you can actually dig a trench. Um, so, for instance, say you want to lay some cables, you know, that you then bury oh, uh, okay. around a habitat. Uh, you could use the robot to dig the trenches to hmm. put the cables in. Yeah. Okay, and that's kind of a gripping task because it's holding that's, on. With no, the it's other not. Gri- it's no, there's no gripping. Pre- okay. It's prehensile, so there's no no so not non-prehensile. Oh, sorry, non-prehensile. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. I mean, but in terms of, of, of grasping things, you know, we said earlier that Astropy only has a, an arm for perching. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously other systems like Robonaut 2 mm-hmm. um, or even on okay. the, you know, the, the Canada Arm 2 with its Dexter system, you know, has the ability to really reach out and, and physically interact with things. You know, maybe you're going to try to, to unscrew something or to swap out uh, some module which needs to be changed uh, for repair purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our oh. gripper is pretty limited. Yeah, <laughs> but there Although, are. But they're yeah. developing. The some, Stanford yeah. is uh, actually developing a gecko-inspired uh, gripper. Gecko-inspired for, for our perching our, <laughs> uh, our for Astrobe. Oh, fabulous! It's already cool. actually on orbit. It oh, launched. Yeah. yeah, it just launched, um, and so they're looking at being able to. Um, perch on any surface. Yeah, it's so, really, it's really yeah. The, the universal gripper. I mean, you think yeah. about mm-hmm. you know geckos; they can you know adhere to any kind of surface. Um, this on the ceiling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> little lizards yeah, crawling really on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, not so not so thrilled about that when they're in, in your home. <laughs> they keep the bugs down. Yeah, they do. yeah. Um, so this, this so this new this new robot hand basically is mm-hmm. meant to be the universal thing. So it can stick to any kind of surface, uh, any kind of shape. Um, and that's one of the things that over the next uh, several months we're hoping to see tested with Astrobe. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Gecko Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're going to have to finish soon, aren't we? Yeah. Sadly. I think. Um, do you have a favorite question or should I throw one out there? Uh, you go first. Okay. Poyo Hernandez asks, how could you perform real life tests? Parabolic flights, perhaps? That's nearly testing like with punch, punch cards cost-wise. Well, mm. how, would you, how do you test these space robots on Earth? Uh, well, so Astrobe, we tested on a granite table. It's kind of an uh, upside down uh, air hockey table, ha, right. where it, cool. the, instead of the air coming out of the table, it comes out of a puck. 
and the ah. robot sits on top of this puck. Oh, okay. So it floats on, it the, puck. Floats on the puck. Oh, right. So um, it's, it's able to slide it around It slides smoothly. around. It's like a frictionless surface, so it can simulate uh, what it's like to fly around. Unfortunately, we can only do two dimensions, not three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't have enough thrust to actually lift up off the table, yeah. um, but yeah. we can we can simulate two dimensions um, on Earth uh, with the, the granite table. Neat. Yeah. So that's the, way, yeah. that's the way we test astrophy. Yeah. Yeah. There are other things we can do, too. I mean, uh, both here at NASA Ames and at NASA Johnson, we have these kind of gantry crane systems um, that are used as gravity offset. Mm-hmm. So you basically have a crane and you program into it um, uh, the ability to basically sort of like quote remove you know the effects of gravity. So you mm-hmm. attach something, you hang it from it, um, and then basically how you program the crane to move around you know simulates it being you know basically in, in zero gravity. Okay, yeah, it's just that you can't cool. use the propulsion system when you're uh-huh. in a crane. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. that's yeah. The, the it doesn't, it doesn't right? move it. So it commands the crane to move it as mm. if the, oh. the propulsion system were moving. Okay, that's cool. But, that's um, cool. but the other yeah. thing too is you know since since uh, since the comment uh, mentioned parabolic flights and we did do some tests uh, you know a few years ago with spheres uh, mm. the smart spheres you know and sort of this you know. Vomit, uh, comet, parabolic <laughs> flights, um, and the flight that they briefly mimic. Yeah, and it's really short. We're talking right? about like 15, 15 to yeah. twenty seconds at yeah. most periods, and so you know, from a from an engineering you know point of view, it's really hard. We say, okay, let's get ready, let's get ready, and then yeah. that comes and like, what can we learn in fifteen seconds? You yeah. know, and you do yeah. this over ready. and over. You just managed to spin up your fans, and yeah. you're already out of the It's It's really tough. I mean, yeah. it's it's probably the highest fidelity way we mm-hmm. can you know simulate uh, you know here on Earth, right? Well, right. On Earth, you know, by yeah, flying, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's it's sky. really hard. Yeah. 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 Well, right, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, I think that's about all the time we have today. Um, huge thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat today. Um, Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.